Big C Dove in the yeah, building. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't believe it. Somebody huh. brush Justice Mike off for yeah, yeah. Got my guitar on my lap and shit like Fuck five hour energy I'm high off white powder Hennessy Nine sour white owls High couch, remember me I got more arms than the octopus Is what I hear from enemies But when I flee all you see is more legs than a centipede But I don't carry a gun I don't wanna kill anyone So where's the fun If I'm not gonna fuck then why marry a nut The Uzi that I carry's a ton Unloaded, I'd be scared if it was Cause I'd beat the brakes and the beard off your son Son, I call you son cause you Fall like one, I call my dunge You caught and you all might run I have your mind racing White lines draws white lines inside of my shines Hope your cat brought him nine lives Cause my dog and I dying I'm garbage, I'm fine Imagine filet mignon when I'm high And I'm gonna pawn what I find Me and Dom saw open window Stole a old Nintendo pawn it Bought some chronic rolling indoors Alright, well, we're back Oh, crap, I was I should've came up with a, uh, a title for this episode I forgot So Obviously, special guest Quentin, my normal co-host, is busy. Um, he's got some big stuff coming forward. The hundred matches of the decade should be out shortly. If you're uh, listening to this, which you are, you're here and you have to. Um, so I have fill-in guest for tonight. I don't have a uh, episode title, which is kind of the gimmick of this whole thing. Um, but uh, my guest tonight is a guy who I've, I guess. Doing some research and looking back into things I've known of and been a fan of for a while, but just came back on my radar really heavy recently uh, in the past the last two episodes of the podcast um, reviewing Bloodsport. I like was like, oh, this guy's looking really good. My guest this evening is, and this is a joke I bet you've heard a thousand times of Bloodsport, Hoyce Isaacs, right? I bet Josh Barnett loves uh, loves calling you that, right? Um, how you doing tonight, Mr. Isaacs? I'm doing well, brother. Uh, actually, of, of all people, Harry Smith is the one that always called me Hoyce. Um, nice. All right. <laughs> but, yeah, man. Uh, we're, we're, we're in the blood sport uh, season uh, already, you know I mean? It's uh, whatever, whatever would be in place of, like, a Santa hat for blood sport. Like, maybe, uh, like a headgear so you don't call it out here or something. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. So, like I said, I, um, I guess I've been a fan of yours or at least seen you for a while because i remember when you kind of showed up on nwa i think is when like i was like i hate to say this like took you serious or like thought of you as like a player or something with the tag team and winning the tag team titles um but looking back on it (laughs) you were in dna and i was a huge follower of dna from the beginning and you weren't just in DNA, you were in the, I guess, one and only DNA Grand Prix, um, which is, like, really fucking cool as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, so that's why, because when I first started hearing Royce Isaacs in NWA, I was like, I know I've heard this name a ton. And I kind of went back and looked through your stuff, and I realized, like, oh, you know, you've been wrestling a bunch in Southern California. That's probably part of it, too, because I'm, I'm here in Southern California as well. I live in Los Angeles. I go to shows out here. And I looked it up, and... The last, so I never, I've never gone to any championship wrestling from Hollywood shows, which you've done plenty of work there. But uh, the last AWS, because I would go to AWS shows uh, relatively regularly, the last AWS show I went to was the uh, last show before you debuted in AWS, which I thought was very funny. Uh, so I just <laughs> missed you. That's why I've never seen you live, which is weird. Um, so yeah, but uh, but yeah, so you moved to 
Southern California relatively recently, but back to, uh, like I said, the DDT thing. So you show up in DDT, and I, you know, I've heard you say it. You, like, you kind of reached out, put some feelers out to get over into Japan. DDT was the one who got back to you. But you go into DDT, and they don't just have you show up and, hey, you know, come wrestle a match here or there on house shows or whatever, like do a tour. You're in the DDT, the DNA Grand Prix. What was that like being like, oh, yeah, come in and just wrestle in this tournament? Man, uh, I always was really into uh, Japanese culture and wanting to go to Japan uh, even before like wrestling and Japan became more of a uh, synchronized goal. And then eventually, once I started uh, wrestling, I really that was like one of the main uh, you know made the items on like the bucket list, so to say. Um, DDT was uh, definitely a dream come true. I ended up doing uh, three tours with them. The, the DNA Grand Prix was the first one, and uh, I mean, it was a really cool experience because I don't think I've ever had something like that where it was like five days in a row, tournament style, round robin. Uh, you'd have one match per day, and then I think on the last day uh, uh, they had whoever won each block uh, wrestled one more mat one more time for the final. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I mean, I have, it was really cool. It was- I have to say, like, I'm sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt, but you saying it that way because, like I said, like I was a huge follower of DD- DNA at this time. And so to me, and especially like my co-host of the podcast normally, like, I won't say legendary, but that is like the final is a match that we remember forever because the final came down to Higuchi and Speedball Mike Bailey and the final was fucking phenomenal. So yeah, you're like, oh, whoever ended up in the final and like the final was so good. Like, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I just meant like, uh, in theory, whoever would end up in the final would wrestle twice. Gotcha. But yeah, no, the, gotcha. Okay. The final was absolutely phenomenal. I thought that, uh, um, Higuchi and um, uh, I think Shima. Um, oh man, I'm terrible. I'm I'm blanking on uh, on someone's name right now. Uh, Higuchi had a couple other really really good matches. Uh, I enjoyed wrestling in there with him quite a bit. Um, you know, he's a good, he's a guy that I think should should be less overlooked. Like he's Higuchi's really really fucking good. He's a big dude. He has a I want to say a sumo background. He's really strong. He does like, he's very athletic for his size as well. But, um, other than doing the, uh, the Mania weekend show, he hasn't really, uh, done anything in the U.S., but I, I feel like he's a guy that could be a player anywhere. And then Speedball, obviously, like, is a guy that, you know, he has, his Canadian band just got lifted. Is it, or his U.S. band from Canada just got lifted, but, uh, I mean, speedball has been one of the best in the world since, you know, probably even before, uh, that tournament, but <clears throat> man, that, that whole tournament was, uh, was pretty awesome on the way over. My, uh, gear didn't make it, uh, cause it got checked and there's a whole like issue, but it got through, like, luckily I came in a whole day before. So it got to the venue, maybe like 15 minutes before I was supposed to, before the doors closed. And I was, oh, yeah, nice. it was huge stressful event but um man it, it was it was like a cool experience i almost felt like it was like you know just five days in a row grueling matches um you know i i feel like i had to up my levels because before that i i i started out wrestling in colorado and i'd done some stuff outside of colorado in like vegas and utah uh and texas new mexico whatever but that was like a whole different level of in terms of like skill and everything like that and i um I really credit that with 
uh, being able to really step my game up and learn a lot. And then when I got to go back and uh, do a couple tours with DDT, I got to uh, do some training over there as well. And I think that also really upped my game and upped my level and kind of showed me uh, more things that I was capable of and more things that I, you know, I could push myself to a higher level. Um, but man, uh, uh, that, that crew over at DDT is really, uh, they got something special over there and they had a lot of success and it, it shows, uh, cause a lot of that DNA crop DNA, uh, for anyone that isn't familiar, like they stopped, uh, 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 running the DNA brand of DDT not super long after that. Um, and once they did, they, uh, all these guys kind of stepped up into, uh, the main DDT roster and are some of the, the top guys there now. Like they're all, it, it was a really, really good class of, uh, of yeah. guys that are, you know, all top players now. No, definitely. And you singing the praises of Higuchi. I mean, I was, I was going to do it. So I appreciate you doing it, uh, preemptively because I, I don't think I can get through an episode of this podcast without talking about him because right now he's in my, like your top five wrestlers in the world for 2021 really i mean obviously that's a limited field because we're still in the global pandemic and all that but you got to wrestle him here and uh i will you know i'll admit it i watched the match just before we even started recording i was like oh fuck i'm gonna go back here and check some of this stuff out and uh and yeah you talking about like his sumo background he's a guy that i was i was a big fan of him in dna and like i said right now he's in my conversation like top five whatever it is like great wrestlers and and uh you know, you said he's a he's a big guy, but you were going toe to toe to him with him in that match. Big shoulder blocks, big uh, big kind of uh, chop battle with him that you had there, trading submissions back and forth. Um, you mentioned how athletic he is, but like he was still pretty young here. But like I said, even I was already a fan at that point. Uh, what did you think about getting to wrestle Higuchi here uh, at this yeah. at, that, at that point? Talk about a chop battle. He. That's one of the, the hardest chop uh, choppers I've ever I've ever wrestled, and I mean I think it was on the second night I, I want to say I faced yeah. Rebecca in my match, and then the second night was Higuchi, and uh, it was a main event which was an amazing honor uh, in Shinjuku Face, which is a very historic venue for anyone that's not familiar. Um, was that was an amazing dream come true, and it was like okay I really got to step my game up because I'm in a you know a big match here, and. Uh, Man, we, we took it to each other. I think we had a really good heavyweight wrestling match. Um, I, I would love to, he's one of those guys that I would really, really love to get another chance at now that I know that we've both grown quite a bit since that as wrestlers. I think it would just be even, uh, more of a competitive and, and tough match. Uh, but that's, that's kind of the, the kind of wrestling that I really enjoy is that like hard hitting, uh, heavyweight Haas, uh, kind of, Kind of matches like that, but uh, yeah, that that match is is definitely one of my most memorable. I think that I've improved quite a bit since then, but for that time, I I, I don't know. That was that's that's one of my favorite matches for that for that period of time in my life for sure. And Higuchi is someone that definitely brought out a, a higher level in me uh, and helped me level up, so to say. Yeah, I mean, you guys both looked great in there, and 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 you talked about a hard hitting kind of hossish thing, but. Uh mentioned blood sport but we got two legit shooters here right you've got the uh, collegiate uh wrestling background and he's got the sumo background here so of course when you guys lock it up it's gonna look pretty legit because you're two guys who are used to, or you know actually have gotten physical like that in the past so so uh, it definitely would be something that i would appreciate seeing again and hey you know blood sport or 
or anywhere really you guys could uh, lock it up again and maybe a, a shoot style situation might be kind of fun um your last match of of the dna is another guy who's in that conversation for me top five wrestlers yuki ueno but it's a totally different match and i watched this one as well before we started because he was like a complete young lion at this point shaved hey, head yeah. nothing to him and uh, and you went up against him. What did you think about wrestling Ueno so early on? And then I don't know if you're following now, but like he's the Universal Champion and he's clearly being positioned as a possible next top guy. And you're wrestling him here when he's just barely starting out. Uh, I will say that with Ueno, I always thought that like there was huge potential there. I think uh, I, I got to wrestle him a couple times, but they were always towards that start of his young lion uh like he was he was just kind of starting out i think he you know he had to step out of um you know he had, he had to kind of get comfortable in his shoes and um he was you know he's from the same high school i want to say as takashita and he kind of had to step out from that shadow a little bit and i think now he's done a really good job of forging his own path um he's i i can attest to in the dojo he's one of the if not the hardest worker, like he's, he cares and he gets after and he puts in his best effort and he has an amazing technique. He obviously has a, a, a hell of a motor to try to continue to improve and get better. And I think the results show that that hasn't changed now. Um, he's another guy that I would love to wrestle again. Cause I just know that, uh, I want to see, you know, I want to see UK went on a hundred percent. I want to see what he's like now. Um, but, even even then, I could tell. I knew that there was something special. You know. <laughs> Luckily, you know, it's like, hey, I'm I'm across the room from him, so it's my uh, it's my job to to put one in the W column and, and, and beat him up and everything like that. But uh, I, I knew I knew even wrestling back then, I was like, yeah, this guy's this guy's really legit. He's gonna be one one day when he finds himself, you know, uh, you know, metaphorically finds himself, as in like you know. A, finds his his style and his calling card in the ring he's gonna be really great yeah it was interesting watching this as well because especially when you mentioned not uh having your gear um because again i like i watched this stuff at the time it was a little fuzzy so going back and re-watching it and seeing like the fanny pack um the mink <laughs> stole and like were you saying like oh i uh, my gear was almost or was not there i thought for a second it was like oh so all that stuff was probably just like whatever random decoupage that you picked up along the way but it was it was your gear that just eventually showed up um yeah and 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 kind of playing off of that and the way that you played with and interacted with the referee it was kind of interesting to see like the Higuchi match the UNO match both were pretty serious in there i didn't check out any of the other matches from the dna grand prix and i can't say i remember off the top of my head but you were pretty serious when it came to the wrestling time but then i also noticed that on you know on your second tour especially but in general you uh, seem to get in there a little bit more with antonio honda a bit it seemed like out of all the people you wrestled him a, a couple of times as well and he's pretty known for his comedy so when you're in DDT, I mean, it seemed like your personality when it came to being a little bit lighthearted was kind of uh, on display. Is that something that you enjoy or was it like something? I mean, obviously, I would feel like you have to enjoy it somewhat. But uh, what do you think about like letting that kind of side of you come out uh, more and more when you're in DDT? I mean, DDT is such an interesting universe to me because you have some of the best wrestlers in the world, like undoubtedly, like some of the best wrestlers in the world currently have gone through DDT and have done quite a bit in DDT. Like if you look at 
uh, you know, even like Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega uh, have heavy DDT roots, um, or like a Sami Zayn. Uh, you know, it's there's a there's a lot of like super top talent. I, I would think that if you're looking at um, you know someone like Endo or Takeshita, those guys are like top top wrestlers in the world. Um, but at the same time, you also have some of like the craziest comedian wrestlers as well at DDT. And that's one of the coolest things is that you have this giant, it's like almost like the Marvel universe where it's like everyone exists together and we're, you know, it's like an Avengers movie. And it's like, there's all these crazy, uh, heroes of, of all different styles that interact, but they interact within a world, you know, that is pro wrestling, like there's rules and it makes sense. And you kind of, it, it's, I don't know. I think DDT is an amazing promotion and how well it makes all of that work together. Um, especially considering, I, I believe, like originally it kind of started out as like a parody promotion, which is where like Takagi's like Stone Cold kind of style came from. And, um, and now it's kind of blossomed into this amazing like hybrid world of comedy and some of the best wrestling uh, that, that you'll see. So I, I have a huge appreciation for, for DET, and I really, it was a fun time to get to uh, be a little more silly and show my personality that way. And I think, you know, it's like, um, in in terms of movies, there's always like, it's good to have, you know, action movies and serious movies and thrillers, but like, there's a place for comedy movies as well. And it shouldn't be, you know, in the section right next to a blood sport, because that's not how it would be best represented, but you can have room in the, uh, wow, I'm going to sound really dated, but if you're, you know, blockbuster video and you, you should definitely have a section for, you know what I mean? Like there, if, yeah. if you have a DVD collection, you should have, wow, that's even, even DVDs are dated now. If you have right. the files loaded on your phone from the internet, you should have yeah. a, a balance of, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I always yeah. in the, in the mood for this thing. I think it's, uh, I think it's a really cool thing. I, I've never been a guy that's been like, it has to be one way or it has to be the other. I, I, I see there's advantages to a lot of different things. I'm really, really enjoying getting back to kind of my shoot roots and uh, both in, in training and both in uh, execution with, with blood sport. Like I, I really love that style and it's been some of the most rewarding uh, work of my career, but uh, I wouldn't trade my experiences in DDT for anything. Yeah, no, no, I mean, and I, I will say that you're pretty good at it because I did go and I, I took the time to check out your, uh, your, your big historic victory, uh, winning the Iron Man heavyweight title match as well, or championship as well. Um, <laughs> I will say you used some unique tactics there. Maybe you could, uh, introduce that into Bloodsport at some point. Um, if you're ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, you, you did, you did pull that one off and, uh, and, you know, so it's, it's, you kind of, it's interesting. You finished out, you know, your final, your third tour of, of DDT winning the, the title there and then obviously dropping it to a legendary wrestler. Uni eventually becomes the champion after you, I think. Um, and, uh, so yeah, like I said, this was a, again, this was a time period where I was really in because I remember when Uni won the title even. And it's like weird to me that I didn't really think about, oh yeah, that's, that's the same guy. Um, it's interesting too. I see you, uh, wrestling here on, on, quintessential pro you have a mixed tag team match against artem and spencer who's a, a, a someone i consider a friend um and it's funny because i look at, looked it over i was like going through your cage match or whatever looking through your matches and i was like oh shit like i had tickets uh, to that show 
me and my wife are going to go. And then um, her brother was, I think, getting married or something. And I just want to give a shout out because I talked about it on podcasts in the past before. But shout out to the promoter, runner, the guy who is in charge of Quintessential Pro. Um, hasn't done any shows in a while. But I emailed him and was like, hey, blah, blah, blah can I get a refund? Dude gave me a refund. And like... Mm-hmm. That's, to me, like, unheard of. Like, why would a wrestling promoter ever give you... Why would anyone ever give you a, a refund for buying tickets? But he did. He just sent me back my money. He's like, hey, here you go. So, good dude. Solid dude. But, yeah, I had tickets to that show. So, that would have been the show where I would have seen you live and uh, had to go to a wedding instead. So, It's, it's unfortunate. It was, uh, that was one of my first matches after moving to California, I want to say. It was certainly my first match, I want to say, in, like, the... I, I want to say Southern California, like in like actual SoCal, because I, I I think I started at uh, Hollywood maybe like the next month, the you know, championship wrestling in Hollywood the next month. I I knew some people in Northern California, so I was doing shows up there, doing like long ass drives. But I I want to say that was it was at least one of my first uh, Southern California shows. I was like a last minute add on because someone didn't uh, someone canceled out at the last minute or something, and I ended up getting on it, but. Yeah, it was a it was a really fun show. Uh, I I, uh, I had a good time. It was a crazy mixed intergender tag. Okay, Chucky doll got involved and all this other yeah. stuff. It was crazy. Yeah, that was at the time when when Buggy was using the uh, the Chucky doll thing and uh, yeah, pretty interesting all around. Just to, like like I said, I wish I had uh, wish I had made it there. Um, but you mentioned Northern California, and I did hear some you know. I, I did some research before we got on here and listened to you on some other podcasts and I've heard other people in podcasts and they asked you and I, I get it. I guess it's interesting. Like, what was it like to wrestle Scott Steiner? I'm like, eh, that's fine. What I want to know, what was it like to wrestle Rick Scott Stoner? What was it like to wrestle with the Stoner brothers? Um, because I've seen the Stoner brothers live once. I went to one hood slam show and, uh, just being in the crowd, the amount of, uh, joints and blunts and <laughs> marijuana that they were passing around to the crowd on top of the contact high by the end of the match i was lightheaded i can't imagine what it was like being in the ring with them you know uh i think they uh i've had some really really good matches with those guys uh probably my favorite of which being uh me and my tag partner jarell uh we are the west coast wrecking crew now but at the time we were wrestling as the one percent versus uh the rascals versus uh, Rick Scott Steiner and, uh, that, that match, it was at West Coast Pro. It's on YouTube somewhere. That match was like just nonstop. Uh, definitely one of my favorites that I've ever, ever been in. It was just crazy. The energy there was crazy. And, uh, man, yeah, that, if you, if you enjoy crazy tag team action, I would definitely recommend uh, chasing that one down. Um, but I, I want to, I, me and Jarrell did a, a hood slam against them, maybe two hood slams against them. And, uh, I'm trying to think of what else, but we, I, I wrestled them almost a handful of times, something like that. But they're, they're super talented. They're crazy how, how well they can move for how big they are. Um, you know, really good, really athletic guys. And I'm a huge, uh, Steiner Brothers fan. So, uh, I super approve of the, uh, the gimmick and, uh, at Hood Slam, it's definitely uh, you know very appropriate. You know, hey, it, Hood Slam's a part. If anyone out there is listening, is not familiar with Hood Slam, I I recommend it whenever uh, whenever they start running again because it's a freaking party. It's, a, it's just like a block party and wrestling is going on. You know, yeah, it's definitely uh, a, a, a an experience. I really 
I really appreciated it. And the last episode I talked about it, but I was a huge evangelist for live wrestling for a long time. Unfortunately, right now with the pandemic and, and with other issues, it feels weird to, you know, encourage people to go to live wrestling as much, but hood slam is definitely a, uh, just a fun place to hang out and, and an experience for sure. That's, that's worthwhile. So I would highly recommend that. But yeah, I mean, um, you talked about it there, but with your, your partner, uh, Jor, is it Joriel or Jorel? Nelson, Jarrell, and the the one percent, and then now the West Coast Wrecking Crew, and that's kind of like a pretty uh, entrenched tag team, it, it seems. But when you did show up in NWA, they they kind of threw you into a new tag team, and I'd never heard cross my mind, but it was the the wild cards, and was that kind of based on the fact that you guys were thrown together? It's kind of like a couple of wild cards that were just thrown together. I it, it, I, I, had, I had never thought of that before, and I thought about I, it tonight, I, and I figured I'd ask you. Yeah, I, uh, so yeah, we were, me and Tom were put together, and it was like, yeah, he's, it's like, he's from the UK, I'm from here, we all have a lot in common, he listens to, like, death metal, I, like, listen to rap pretty much exclusively, like, we, like, we didn't have a lot that was, like, like, we got along really well, and we had a lot in common, because we are both, you know, wrestlers, we like looking weights, all this stuff, but it was like, we really were kind of like an odd couple without being an odd couple, almost, and... Then we were in uh, the Crockett Cup uh, in 2019, was our first time together, and we got all the way to the finals by winning like, the wild. It was a wild card uh, battle royal, and I was like trying to figure out a name, and I'm like, well, this almost like fits. Like, well, instead of being a wild card team, why don't we become the wild card team? It just seemed like it fit our like that was like rather than trying to somehow come together and like compromise why not just embrace what we were and be the wild cards yeah i mean it, it's perfect if you know kind of the background and i didn't even think of the like you said the, the actual like in storyline reason why it made sense as well because you guys won the wild card battle royal so perfect um but i apologize because we have gone way too in-depth on on wrestling and that was not why you were here uh <laughs> you not, not to say um but, you know, obviously there's a big issue with it. But I messaged you. I was like, hey, I've been really digging you in Bloodsport. We reviewed the the last two Bloodsport shows on the podcast. Um, one thing you kind of mentioned was like mixing that up. And I, I think even that was I think I was talking about your match. I kind of referenced that where I was like, I'm really digging the uh, bringing in the kind of the legitimate background more into the wrestling. And I would love to see a little bit more of that in general. Um, but I messaged you like, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah let's fill in because I got like an open week with with my regular co-host Quentin being a little bit busy this week doing the big the big podcast and you were like ah you know what we just do the the same thing over and over again in podcasts I'd rather do this and I was like perfect like realistically because I don't want to do it I used to inter- do like interview podcasts and I really enjoyed it but I wouldn't interview wrestlers and talk about wrestling because it's like they get interviewed they talk about their wrestling career their past all that stuff a thousand times I interviewed people who like did wrestling podcasts primarily was like my thing. And it was because it's like, no one ever fucking interviews those people or people who like wrote like articles about wrestling and like wrestling, like media figures, I guess would be the people because no one ever talks to them. The idea originally was going to be like interview people and talk about like message board drama and just the history of stuff like that. But it turned into just talking about them. Um, So when you were like, I don't want to just do that. I was like, perfect. Let's do something. So you mentioned you're a fan of true crime. Like I said, I did a little bit of research. I, poked around online and I saw kind of I think it was kind of early on when uh, quarantine started 
it seems like that was when you got interested in true crime a little bit more. And it seemed like there was a time where you were thinking about starting a true crime podcast. And I don't know if any of those podcasts ever made it out. Did they? Man, uh, so to be honest, my true crime obsession goes like way, way back. Like I was like in middle school, like looking up like serial killers information and stories. Like I, I don't know. I've just always had a real fascination with, uh, with true crime, I think it just has come out more as like, like people didn't, people would never look at me and be like, oh yeah, that guy's definitely like a true crime. Like, I don't think I let us necessarily give off that aura. So it's just one of those things that started to become more out there and known about me. Um, so I, <laughs> I was going to start a true crime podcast with, uh, Maureen Tracy, uh, who was kind of like the, um, second or third in command at the, uh, the NWA because we were both really, really into true crime and both really passionate about it. And we both kind of already had wanted to uh, do something like that. And then once the pandemic hit, it was like, okay, how is NWA going to create content that's not re- without wrestling and all this other stuff? So that was kind of an idea that we'd come up with. And uh, in in all honesty, we, we recorded an episode and we had another one that like I had the full research ready to go and uh, I was like we were going to record it and then a bunch of uh, issues happened where like I don't know if you remember but uh, there was like a whole uh, issue with Lagana and uh, yeah. speaking out or whatever and he stepped down and I asked for my release uh, like right like a day or two after that it wasn't granted until later but um like that was it was like one of those things where it's like well i'm not gonna like start up a podcast uh that's ran through the nwa while i'm trying to get my freedom and uh so i don't know i mean it's something that maybe one day i'll revisit but like i don't really have a lot of like there's there's a lot of podcasts out there as it is i don't know if i necessarily need to also have have one but it's always kind of in the back of my mind i'm a creative person so i do like to put stuff out there i just i don't know maybe i guess that's the best answer i can give you yeah yeah no i mean i totally get it i didn't realize that it was like so thoroughly entrenched in being related to the nwa part of things um just because like yeah i found this it's one of those things that like i kind of like because of how everything went down and that being a part of me asking for my release and leaving, like it wasn't like something that I ever was like, let me like shock a bunch of light and bring attention to it. But it was like, like, you know what I mean? It's just like one of those things like, okay, well I'm getting the fuck out of here. So I will just leave it at that kind of thing. But Hey, there's an exclusive scoop for you. (laughs) Hey, I didn't even mean to. So see, you, you see everyone at home. That's how you do it. Just like be weird, look stuff up, research things and then you like stumble into information this is how journalism works everyone um fucking journalism baby (laughs) yeah um no i mean like i said there was so little information i mean it's not like it's all over i did find like the 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 twitter account and i was tempted to follow it but i was like i wonder who has control of this it'll look weird if i follow the twitter account for a podcast that never happened randomly podcast Uh, that never happened that's you know (laughs) that's the new kind of podcast it's like a meta podcast where it never actually oh yeah well, I don't know. Have you ever heard of this podcast called E1? No. It's a 
it's uh it's run by some people they're like chapo trap house adjacent but the the concept of the podcast is that every episode is supposed to be like the pilot episode of a podcast that was never released and they just Ooh. it's all like it's a it's a joke so they do like um uh improv and they like are like oh you know this is the concept and then they just run through it with the same people doing the improv joke it's like i don't really listen to it but it's like it's an interesting idea and there's some people who really really enjoy it but yeah like podcasts that didn't happen are are, are a thing that people are very interested in um one thing that we wish didn't happen, <laughs> that's a, there's a transition for you, is uh, the crimes of uh, one uh, Harrison Norris Jr., or as he was known in the WCW, Hardbody Harrison. Because um, you said that you'd like to talk about some true crime, and you mentioned murderers, and I kind of did some research and looked into some stuff and uh, you know, found some things that I thought were interesting, but... When it came down to it, most of them are already done by like, uh, like especially like um, Dark Side of the Ring has covered so many stories, and this feels like a story that they would not touch with a ten foot pole because it's uh, insanely disgusting and uh, really, really bad. But um, with the topics that have come up tangentially, unfortunately, on the podcast already with the uh, aforementioned issues with the NWA. Um, and in general, like with the last uh, episode of the podcast that we did when we talked about um, speaking out and some of the issues that were going on in Progress Wrestling, um, this is like, wow, <laughs> this is very bad. Um, and it's pertinent because this kind of stuff, maybe not as, I mean, yes, definitely things this extreme and even more still happen, maybe not uh, as connected to the direct like wrestling stuff, um, or at least we don't hear about it. But, uh, but yeah. Um, I mean, so, honestly, like when I was when I was like uh, doing some research for this and, and reading up on it, I was like somewhat familiar. But what he did is like not that dissimilar to like, uh, even though it's not in wrestling, but like an R. Kelly or someone like oh, that, yeah. where you have, you know what I mean, like multiple people that you're kind of keeping in a, a house or an area or whatever, and you're kind of playing these mind games on them to keep them there and keep them under your control and controlling them to have sex with you and others and all this other stuff. Sorry if I just blew yep. the, the lead on where we're oh. going with this. <laughs> I mean, anyone who's listening to this, I mean, with the internet, you can easily find all of this stuff out pretty, pretty instantaneously. So it does make it, make it a little bit harder to, uh, to, to you know, worry about like spoiling this stuff. But yeah, that's a good point when you talk about that, but it's, it's so weird because you hear about like R. Kelly and, you know, I'm trying to think if there's some others that you hear about that, like, do similar things. I think there was not. The only one that's popping in my head is Anne Rand, Anne Rand or whatever, uh, the author. Um, is the author? Yeah. yeah, she had a harem of, of men. Um, what's his name? Um, oh, God, I shouldn't even guess, but I was going to say Bloomberg, I think, was one of, the, one, of her, one of her boys. But she kept men who, like, serviced her sexually. Um, wow. And, and they like followed her because of her. her I mean, th that's a thing, but that's why I referenced that because that's like the celebrity or the, nori the notoriety that they had. But someone like Hardbody Harrison here, he didn't really have anything like that. I mean, he just had, I guess, charisma and a uh, a presence that was uh, very menacing. Um, which I guess that combination, it that combination of things of having a uh, a fearful domineer or a, a fear inducing domineering presence and charisma is also like the epitome of what you'd look for in wrestlers, right? You just hope that you use it for good. But so it does make sense. Like, why would he go towards wrestling? Well, he had the skills that should have 
worked in wrestling. They just never panned out for him. So he went for another way, which was uh, disgusting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think he was also really, like, I don't know, that a lot of, like, people that are, are like, have that really dark side, they, they kind of can tell who to target. Like, it seems like, uh, maybe I've listened to too much true crime, but it, yeah. it seems like a lot of people, they know, uh, you know, weak uh, not weak people, but weak-minded people, people that are influ- like uh, easily influenced that they can kind of go after that are going to listen to them and, and be susceptible to their influences because uh, it seemed like he was intentionally really targeting certain uh, uh, women that he thought, this is someone that I can in, you know impose my will over and victimize, and uh, which makes it like even more disgusting. I mean, it's fucking terrible, but it's like uh, he had almost like a sixth sense for it. It seems like he he also did have. I want to say he had a bunch of extra uh, money to throw around because he the, the WCW uh, racism lawsuit. I think he had a couple mil or something like that. So that probably helps as well. But like I think he was targeting uh, uh, women that were like trying to get off of drugs and maybe it had some some hard lives and whatnot. And like I mean, it's, that's really sickening. Yeah, it's it's. It's crazy because you mentioned that and I like looked into it and I didn't see um, I didn't find too much of like talking about how much exactly he got paid. And I think it confused me to like kind of think that uh, that like he he didn't. But then as I look into it or just like cross reference here, like he was on the lawsuit that was I think the main plaintiff that people think of is Sonny Ono um, yeah. from it. He's like usually the person that and that was settled. So he did get paid from that like i think because i was looking into a bunch of stuff and people reference the lawsuit repeatedly but don't really talk or mention that part but of course he made some money enough money to um i mean he bought like a training facility and he had like a ring set up and all this stuff because a lot of that that's another part of it too is a lot of this was couched in the guise of like that he was saving these people from rough situations by putting them and training them in wrestling so the idea yeah. was like they were going to be part of his wrestling troupe, but it was not. It was not the, the the actual goal. Right. It was a completely nefarious thing. Like, it, it, yeah, if you're you know cooked on drugs and someone says, "Hey, like we can get you off drugs and we can train you to be a professional wrestler," you're gonna think, "Oh wow, like did I win the lottery? Like this is gonna be like my life's turning around." And then before you know it, you're being being pimped out. I I think. His what was his promotion Starfire or something like that Star something yeah uh, some promotion Star- yeah but he was never making any money off of that it doesn't seem like it seemed like pimping these girls out uh, was what his actual like that's where he was making his supplementary income and certainly where he was like spending all his energy and the whole time he was married for this entire time. Like, this is, like, a yeah. total terrible, like, <laughs> the scummiest of the scummy. He had, I think, he took a settlement and bought, like, a, uh, like a, a, like, two properties that were connected. Like, one was maybe, like, a, like, a bigger house where he kept uh, a bunch of the, the, the women, and then he had a house for him and his family, and somehow was able to, like, I guess the wife just literally never went over to check on what exactly was going on you know, next door or something. Cause, uh, she seemed to not really have, have a clue that all this terrible stuff was happening. And, 
oh, <laughs> oh, my husband's going over here to spend time, you know, quote unquote, training these you know, eight young women, uh, quote unquote, wrestling. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing of it too is like he put the he basically forced the women into like an indentured servitude using like a, a one of those like debt systems where you basically create like uh that they're in a debt which is like this weird microcosm of of um you know the issues with capitalism and debt writ large obviously but you create like your own fiefdom with with these women who are indebted to you in a way that they can never pay off so they feel like they're in over their head and they're stressed and they have to do whatever you say which again that's like the same kind of manipulation that uh the economy in general puts you in um part of why like college debt is such a major issue for people because you make bad decisions and you're more willing to accept bad situations when you feel like you're in debt it's been proven that 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 works it's a great uh technique for psychological manipulation of people so it is kind of interesting that as you said uh sometimes these abuser types have this like sixth sense for not only just picking out the women um and the people to abuse but also like the the uh, strategery, uh, as, George, as former President George W. Bush would say, um, the strategic uh, arrangements to manipulate the people are, in this case, women, but people in general. Like, I can't imagine that he spent a ton of time, you know, reading psychological uh, breakdowns of how to manipulate people this way. It was just like he intuited it and understood it. Um, pretty basically that like, hey, this is a good way to manipulate people. And, and a lot of the studies when it comes to poverty mentality have come out even post his arrest and, and his sentencing to prison. So there's no way that he would have even known of a lot of these concepts because they weren't in the um, public consciousness the same way. So that is, it was interesting that you mentioned that, like the sixth sense to be able to seek them out. But it's also like the sixth sense for how to manipulate people this way. Yeah, I th- I think maybe I mean I don't I don't know, but he was he was in his uh, younger days in the military, so I I know that's a completely different type of uh, breaking down egos and uh, you know there's that's like a that's something that can that can be a positive of like you're regimented and broken down and remade and whatever, but I feel like if you know how to do it for potentially a good cause you can if you like learn that psychology you can totally use that um because he had obviously gone through that himself i'm sure that he could kind of use that in a negative way to break people down and control people and have that like i know that he uh, i'm trying to think he like he made uh, the the women call him like the captain or something like that or like it was some there was some kind of like a ranking system yeah. to the whole you know where like it it, now that I'm, I, I honestly wasn't thinking of this before, but now that I'm sounding it out, I think it was like he kind of used that same military mentality that he had uh, um, experienced younger in, in his younger days, and kind of used it as like a nefarious, like sex trafficking, pimping kind of thing, but to kill, still keep people in line and control people, and like you said, keep them in that that debt and keep them in that like you owe me. And I'm supposedly doing this great thing for you, so now you have to do everything that I ask you to. Yeah, and another side of it too that I thought of as you talked you talked about him having you mentioned him having the two different places and all that stuff. Like, I haven't looked too much into it, and I haven't seen any of the stuff that like kind of talks about it. Even in the um, official like court documents, they don't really talk about like how much money he was really because you talked about like he um, he didn't make any 
money from the wrestling promotion, but I don't even know how much money he really made from the prostitution extortion racket as well. Like it, it seemed a lot of his money just came from the the settlement of the court case with WCW, and then it was kind of like the rest was like he kind of you know he put he put together like kind of the the landlordship and the and the kind of like the passive income that he made through that, and then the the pimping and extortion of women and and the sef- sex trafficking and stuff was like. I hate to say it, but like more of a hobby and something that he did because he enjoyed it. And the wrestling business was a facade to to facilitate that because I don't see that he made a ton of money off of prostituting women. I mean, I I think that you could make you could probably find a you could probably run wrestling shows and make more money than he did off of the prostitution. Honestly, if you really did it. But yeah, like it, it did seem um, that he wasn't necessarily making a ton of money off of it. Yeah, I mean, he. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the case, and he was just really that sick that that was his. I mean, I know like he had all kinds of weird rules. Like his top earner would get the quote unquote like privilege of sleeping with him, which is just like even more demented and definitely not like a oh wow congratulations. But like, um, yeah, it seems like it's just just a, a sick sick man that ran a sick sick game. Man, like, I mean, he can enjoy uh, his life life sentence in prison. So yeah, he's not getting out. So no, no, not not. He's got life life in prison currently, still serving. Um, hopefully, not much longer. Um, for multiple reasons. Um, as far as I'm concerned, because I, I am kind of a prison abolitionist in my personal beliefs, but also for the fact that uh, he seems like a terrible person, and we live in the society we have. So, you know power more power to him um but uh one thing that i did that did cross my mind and i don't know i didn't see anything couldn't find any proof not making any kind of excuse but anything like that but there's a lot of stories about him being a very whacked individual we'll say even in wcw people who are talking about him not even in the context of this but just talking about him in general you can find stories i think chris jericho's book actually gives some like offers some um some like examples of some things, but, but all of that stuff would have been after he returned, as you talked about that he was in the service. And there is one thing that I thought of is like Gulf war syndrome. Um, I, I actually recently referenced this on the podcast, um, which is interesting, but I was looking into it a little bit and there is like some ideas that there was possibly like a biological warfare or gas agents that may have been a cause of that. And it is interesting to think like, because I, it's hard to find information about his, childhood or his early life before service and it is like is there a possibility that something happened to him in service or in the gulf war that caused the mental breakdown that led to this or was he predisposed to this either way because like i said i don't see like i don't know if you have in any research or anything that you looked into or heard in the past like if there's any stories about him seeming like he was off before he went into the service no, I, I don't know of anything, but also I, I don't really know almost anything about his early life. So I, I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. Like I, at the, at the end of the day, um, I mean that that certainly could be a thing. But it's like regardless, your your mental health isn't your problem, but it's your responsibility type of thing. So like right. whatever issues you ran into later, it's like still just like well. <laughs> you know, regardless of what the cause was, like he seemed like a 
he had been an unstable guy for a while. And who knows, that could also be from years of wrestling and taking bumps and all kinds of crazy, you know, like it, it's a tough lifestyle on a lot of people. Um, like I know that he had some issues in WCW where like he uh, got too rough with a reporter. And I think that's part of why he ended up getting kind of not renewed or, or, or fired or let go or whatever. But, um, he seems like a guy that like there were, there were warning signs, not necessarily that like, Oh yeah, this guy's definitely going to run a sex trafficking brothel, but like at least warning signs that he wasn't quite all there for quite a bit of time. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, he was kind of, it seemed like he was kind of trying to do the, uh, you know, protect the business with a reporter thing, but he was doing it like, um, like late, <laughs> very late to the point where like it was already understood that like wrestling was not, and it is almost like, was he trying to protect the business or was he just getting kicks off of being a, an a, abusive to someone or intimidating? It's, it is tough to say. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's obviously no excuse, but it is just something to think about. Like what, uh, what makes someone go? I guess it just makes it for me. I don't know about you, but personally, when I, when I think about people like this or, or people who, who um, have these kind of like major defects. I do. I want to think about the psychology of it because I do in some ways want to like make myself feel better by thinking that like a normal person can't just do this and that there has to be some kind of outside contributing factors. But at the same time, like there, there doesn't like sometimes people just are this way and it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, luckily, yeah. I mean, that's part of why I like, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, sometimes I think it's nature, sometimes I think it's nurture, and sometimes, most of the time, it's probably like a hybrid of both nature and nurture, where it's like, there's certain factors you can control, certain factors of things that happen to you, and sometimes they just uh, combine to make a really shitty human gumbo. Yeah, and I was going to say, or I was in the middle of it, like, part of it too, it's like, the stuff gets sensationalized, and you see it everywhere, and and it is interesting to to think about, but you have to keep in mind that it's not common. There's a reason why stories like these stand out is because there's not a ton of people who, who do this kind of stuff or have these, you know, these issues. Um, it is, it's, it is easy to fall into the trap of like, you see it so much because it's like what's reported that it feels like scary and, and you're worried about it. But yeah, it's not a, uh, it's not a common thing, but it is also something to be wary of because it does still happen. And you, and you mentioned even like modern day kind of examples of it, but it does continue. So, you know, it, it, you have to be, you have to be careful out there when you make your decisions. Um, I mean, honestly, a lot of, uh, like uh, other modern day examples are, are like a lot of cults that are like sex cults are very much along these lines. Like if you look at, uh, I mean, they, they, maybe sometimes certain cults do more stuff outside of just uh, uh, the the sexual stuff. But there's like, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that happened in Nexium and whatever, it's not really that yeah. dissimilar. Uh, or Waco or wherever else where it gets weirdly like, okay, well, they may not be necessarily getting uh, pimped out to random people, but maybe it's like they have like one leader that they have to have sex with and be subservient to or whatever, and they have to live in certain quarters and uh, you know, have to ask Keith Ranieri what they can eat and what they can't eat and all this other stuff. It's like the, the, the same kind of anything that kind of tries to control your mind, uh, to a certain degree is, is similar. And especially if it's your mind and your, your sexuality or, or whatnot, you know, it's maybe not 
quite as bad, but it's the same kind of idea. It's the same general, you know, idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, where I work, you know, I'm talking about it, but I'm right next to the Church of Scientology. Like, you know, and, and for all intents and purposes, that's a that's a cult, and they do the same thing. And they there's definitely stories of higher up there being, you know, exploiting people sexually, but they're also exploiting people financially. And it's, it's a lot of the same thing. It's it's you get yeah. dead or you get on the hook when it comes to money, and you get on the hook when it comes to interpersonal relationships, and you feel like there's no... No chance. I mean, <laughs> before we started recording, we talked about, you know, uh, situations like that happen in all industries where people have power and influence and, and they use that to, you know, manipulate people as like, I'm part of the, you know, I'm part of the community that you're involved in. So I'm safe and I'm normal and whatever thing I do is like acceptable. And when you get entrenched in any kind of community, even if it is a community of just, one person on the top who's the captain or whatever he calls himself and and his his harem of of women that he's pimping out like you feel like you're part of that community and this is just normal and it doesn't take long for people to buy into that yeah man it's it's tragic and it's even more tragic that stuff like that is like still happening now um, and hopefully one day we can live in a society that you know, that stuff isn't going on or that we can, uh, you know, get help for people sooner or, you know, get people more aware where they don't, you know, fall into the, these traps and whatnot. But it's, it's tough out there, man. It's a cold world. Yeah. Um, and you talked about his kind of possibly maybe some of the issues come from the, the, the hard hitting lifestyle when it comes to being a wrestler. Um, hopefully you keep the your bump card relatively clean. I haven't seen you do any too much insane stuff but uh but there is also like he was a a winner he won a tough man competition he was a you know a, a boxer and he was doing fights and and when people are like you know doing all the the fun joking he had the uh pork chop and the and the and the biscuit cutter i don't know if you saw that but that's what he called his his right and yeah. left hand and and um when he was doing the because i remember him in the tough man contest as well i think i watched it concurrently when it was happening because i was a you know wcw fan oh wcw wrestlers doing tough man i'll check this out i watched some some you know mma i like you know real fighting and all this stuff and he was for the tough man competitions he was very charismatic i don't know if you watched any of that at the time or even since then i honestly remembered him more from the tough man stuff like i i watched yeah. both WWE. WCW when I was a kid, but because I, I, he was always kind of in a, a job role for the most part at WCW, I don't remember like his matches or anything, but I do remember like, oh, there's this wrestler guy and he's on the tough man and he was always doing really, really well there. But I mean, even with him winning and doing well, you're taking hits and that could be even more brain damage uh, conceivably. Like, it's not always necessarily that you get hit really hard and get concussed. You know, sometimes it's just like the accumulation of damage. So I'm sure between you know, all the falls you're taking with wrestling and then, you know, getting hit in the face for real with a tough man and whatever else. Like, who knows if he's, you know, living a lifestyle where he's getting into fights or something like that. He could also be just getting hit in the head and dinging the, dinging the egg up all the time. Uh, that, that could have led to some of his later uh, issues and aggressions and whatnot. But, uh, but he was, like, legit. Like, he was, like, the heavyweight tough man champion, which was certainly an interesting niche for that, that time period. 
Yeah, and and he was like I said, he he was able to be charismatic and bring some of that pro wrestling flair to the tough man, which not the, not a lot of the other fighters were doing. So he was a standout there. Um, and you talked about it, but like yeah, d- dinging the head around there, and they show that. I, and I don't know what the rules were in tough man for for weight weight cutting and stuff like that. But when you're weight cutting and you're dehydrated, you're more um, likely to have concussions and brain issues like that as well when you get your your head knocked around. So. If he was weight cutting and tough man and all that stuff, sure, gonna have some issues there. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention was, uh, everyone talks about Stang. I don't know if you, if you, you know this, but the, the whole, like, he was gonna be the, 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 like, all, I guess, I don't even know how to say it. He was gonna be Black Sting and be the nemesis for, uh, for Sting and be Stang with his face painted, um, which obviously is out there a bunch, but, um, Looking it up and looking through things, I also found another idea that he had was uh, that he would steal a diamond from Diamond Dallas Page and throw it into a piranha, a tank of piranhas, and that Diamond Dallas Page would have to jump into the piranhas to retrieve the diamond. This was another idea that he had um, that I have not heard as much. I don't know if you've ever heard either of those before. I had no idea, but uh, that's... Stang is ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, especially now knowing what we know, it's, I'm glad that he didn't, because that would have been a major uh, deal for him. You know, he would have benefited greatly off of the feud with Sting, so it's yeah. probably good that it didn't work out. Yeah, of course his ideas were, you know, put me up against the uh, the top guys, Sting, DDP, um, and yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know anything else you want to uh, to, to talk about with the old hard body here. You know, I, I don't know how to put like a ribbon on uh, this uh, terrible, terrible human. Other than you know, uh, he was uh, sentenced to life, and uh, he won't be getting out. So hey, you know, like at least there, you know, at least his, he's off the streets, and people don't have to worry about. Him particularly, but hopefully, uh, if you're out there, you can stay vigilant and uh, take it as a lesson to, you know, be careful with, uh, you know, who you associate with, and you know, who, your 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 the people around you if they have the best intentions for you, and if you're letting them run your life too much, and, you know, taking back that control if you need to, and uh, getting getting whatever help you need to if you are in a situation like this where you know. Uh, you have someone controlling you, and I don't know. It's a, it's a tragic, tragic situation, but I'm glad uh, that it's over, and those women aren't being harmed anymore. Yeah, and it is a you know a believe victim situation. Nine times out of ten, um, it's whatever is being reported is true. People are not making these kind of stories up. So if someone tells you you know that something like this is happening, believe it and and do what you can to help like that's the like kind of the, the other side of that don't not just believe victims but also like help and support and do what you can because people don't don't make these kind of things up they don't just do this for clout you know they like they, you don't get a lot of clout like from alleging that someone abused you in some way if anything it's like one of the most difficult things to to deal with is to have the courage to come out and say something and it's difficult so like you said be vigilant and also if someone says anything look for look for the signs that people need help and if they tell you they need help help them um i'm gonna give <laughs> putting a bow on things right like, uh i want to give a shout out to the other podcast on the network um 
that have been going on, listen to them. If you're not, I, I can't imagine that you're not. If you're listening to this, you're listening to the other podcasts, but just go back and listen, listen to Boots and Trunks and Barabata Tag Boom. They're phenomenal. They're, uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot lighter topics and, but, but also very like interesting and intriguing in general. Um, and I'll say, uh, Royce, I don't know if there's anything you want to, uh, get out there in general, if there's anything you want to talk about. Um, I don't know if you watched any of the castle attack and you just really got to talk about, uh, Naito versus Kota Ibushi or something, or, um, or, uh, if you just want to, uh, plug, plug where people can check you out and hopefully see you wrestling soon. I know you're here in Southern California and there's not a lot of wrestling happening. Um, but you have been on the blood sports shows recently and I don't know if you have anything coming up. Yeah, I mean, if anyone uh, listening to this and enjoyed, I definitely really recommend checking out Bloodsport 4 and 5. Uh, I think it was some of my best matches, and uh, I think uh, I have a few things coming up that I can't really uh, give away yet, but uh, just uh, keep an eye out on me, because I got some stuff coming up for sure that's going to be really big this year. This is uh, this is shaping up to be the biggest year of my, uh, of my career, so um, you know, hey, I... Uh, I appreciate any of the support. My pro wrestling tees, pro wrestling tees slash Royce Isaacs if you want to buy a shirt. And if you want to follow me uh, at Royce Isaacs on Twitter, at Royce Isaacs on uh, Instagram. Um, I don't really have anything else to plug. I Hopefully uh, people enjoyed the uh, the podcast. I know it was a little bit uh, uh, downer at times because it's a very serious and uh, tough subject to talk about. But hopefully people enjoyed that and got something out of it and uh, enjoyed us uh, talking uh, a bunch of uh, words coherently sometimes. Mm-hmm.